Good morning. My name is Jim Doyle, pastor over small groups and in the Connections Ministry. It's good to be with you here this morning. And uh, I normally don't read the whole chapter, but we're looking at 1 Kings chapter 19. And I think it's important to take a look at the whole thing. So let me read it to you if you don't mind. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacres of the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent a messenger to Elijah with her threat that gods will be will get you for this, and I will get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you will be dead as any one of those prophets. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there and then went into the desert another day's journey. He came to a lone broom bush and a collapse in the shade and wanting in the worst way to be done with it all and just to die. Enough of this, God. Take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone broom bush. Suddenly an angel shook him awake and said, Get up and eat. He took, he looked around and, and to his surprise, right by his head were a loaf of bread baked on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. The angel of God came back to him and shook him again and said, Get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. He got up and ate and drank his fill and set out and nourished by that meal. He walked 40 days and night all the way to the mountain of God to Horeb, which is also Mount Sinai where Moses was. When he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. Then the word of God came to him. So, Elijah, what are you doing here? I've been working my heart out for God of the angels of army, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now that I'm trying to kill, now they're trying to kill me. Then he was told, go, stand on the mountain and add attention before God, and God will pass by. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God was not found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God was not in the earthquake. After earthquake, fire, but God wasn't in the fire. After a fire, a gentle, quiet whisper. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with a great cloak and went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. A quiet voice asked, So Elijah, now tell me, what are you doing here? Elijah said again, I've been working my heart out for God, the God of the angel armies. Because the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed your places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left. Now I'm tr now they're trying to kill me. God said, go back the way you came through the desert to Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hezazel, <clears throat> make him king over Aram. Then join Jehu, the son of Nimish, make him king over Israel. Finally, anoint Elisha, son of Shephath, from Abel Meholah to succeed you as a prophet. Anyone who escapes death by Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and anyone who escapes death by Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Meanwhile, I'm preserving myself seven thousand souls, the knees, the knees that haven't bowed to the god Baal, to the mouth, the mouth that haven't kissed his image. Elijah went straight out and found Elisha, son of uh, Shaphat, in a field where there were twelve pairs of yoked oxen at work plowing. Elisha was in charge of the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him, threw him his cloak over him. Elisha deserted the oxen, ran after Elijah, and said, Please, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, then I'll follow you. Go ahead, said Elijah, but mind you, don't forget what I've just done to you. So Elijah left his, Elisha left. He took his yoke of oxen and butchered them. He made a fire with the plow and tackled them and boiled the meat, a true farewell meal for the family. Then he left and followed Elijah, becoming his right-hand man. A lot there we need to unpack a little bit but to begin with i loved watching hero type movies like the marvel movies the dc movies 
I know it's probably weird, but my personal my personal favorite has always been Aquaman. And the cool thing about these type of movie or hero movies is that many of them are human beings seemingly to do impossible feats. Well, we finished First Kings 18 with the hero Elijah doing impossible things for God. As I said, we like heroes and heroines. In one sense, we need heroes to inspire us, but on the flip side of the coin, we can develop superficial perceptions and unrealistic expectations of other people and even of ourselves. I found myself in this boat regarding Elijah. Somehow, it's easy to remove biblical characters from the normal problems of everyday life. And when we do that, we really miss learning from God's people in Scripture. Elijah just came through the biggest time of his life in ministry with his confrontation of the Baal worshippers in chapter 18. But now in chapter 19, he didn't even look like a hero. In anger and revenge, Queen Jezebel vowed to come after him and kill him uh, for killing her so-called prophets. And what did Elijah do? He ran in fear. What happened to this hero of God now lonely and desperate? Let's think about this. When we experience some kind of spiritual high, often doubt, discouragement, even depression can creep in simply because we become emotionally and spiritually drained. Even our personalities, body, body chemistry, and other factors can play a role in experiencing the blues. And don't forget, I believe Elijah had not lost his spiritual commitment. He just fell into a funk out of thinking humanly rather than trusting God to protect him. Isn't it true of you and me? Sometimes when we're down and out, because we're human, it doesn't mean we've lost our love for God. In other words, human emotions like depression, discouragement, anxiety, doubt should not be how we measure our commitment to God. It, it was this way for Elijah. He had fallen into deep despair. He had had enough, but God was not through with him. In fact, God sent a messenger to meet Elijah in, in his moment, in his ways, which are higher than ours. God minister to Elijah's needs. Isn't that awesome? So take a moment to allow God to remind you when he, when he has met you in your moments of t uh, in times of despair. God is good all the time. And he is patient with us as he was with Elijah. God brought him to the point where, in which he could move out of his personal darkness and into the light again. I love this. I see our God as one who does not beat us into submission or coerce our response or even force our loyalty. He will work with where we're at to the point where, in which we can respond to him in love and worship and service. And notice that while he was not fully healed yet, God got him moving. You know, baby steps. Sometimes that's just enough. Sometimes we... We cannot expect our discouragements to go away with a snap of the fingers. Healing takes time. It may be slow, but when we allow God to pick us up and to begin moving forward, healing begins to take place. And the beauty of this story is that one might expect to see God working in a mighty, powerful, dramatic manner like he did with Moses in the same mountain that Elijah encountered God again. But no, God took on the unseen, soft, gentle approach to get Elijah to the point where he could finally respond to God. It shows us that God is wild, but he's also gentle at times when he needs to be. 
God is at work, sometimes in dramatic fashion, but most of the time in subtle, gentle ways. Slow down. Enter into solitude if necessary to hear his still, small voice in the midst of your crazy, busy world or your darkest moments. And watch what the Lord will do to move you to a place where he wants you to respond to him. God will provide his perfect wisdom for what you need at any given time and place in your life. God bless you.